Greetings, Jacob's Well podcasters. My name is David Mortimer, and I'm one of the overseers at Jacob's Well Church. I have the honor and privilege this week of sharing the message for the first week in Advent when we celebrate the arrival of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. We'll be looking at Matthew, the first chapter, the genealogy. Thank you for joining us. God bless. Hello, Jacob's Well Church. My name is David Mortimer, and I'm one of the overseers at Jacob's Well. Overseers work with staff and governance to serve the church. And it's my privilege to be here with you today, online and in person, to celebrate the first week of Advent, where we celebrate the arrival. And we ask this week, what child is this? We've been having a lot of masks this year. Um, and just to remind people of what my family looks like, I picked a recent birthday picture. And uh, this happened to be Maddie's birthday in 2020, the COVID year. And um, Nancy and I have been here at Jacob's Well Church for 13 years now. Our girls, uh, three daughters, kind of grew up here. And the two on the right, Molly, who is standing, is now with Navigators full-time in Minneapolis, serving. And Maddie, who's seated, uh, is with Navigators in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, working with uh, foreign exchange students. And they are share partners at Jacob's Well Church. So thank you. Thank you on behalf of them for the support of One Fund with your tithe and offerings, um, it, which supports missionaries and a lot of uh, local organizations in our community. We also have some other news in the Mortimer family. A young man in this picture, uh, his name is Matthew Fossing, and Maddie and Matt are engaged to be married. This is new for the Mortimer family, and we're really excited. This is not the first time the church has celebrated Advent in a pandemic. 102 years ago, actually right here in the city of Eau Claire, um, there was a 1918 influenza pandemic. For four weeks in a row, churches were actually closed down along with everything else, and everybody was home. The leader newspaper had a two-page spread called Go to Church in the Leader, and they allowed clergy to submit their messages. So for four Sundays in a row, there are sermons printed in the newspaper so that you could open up the Sunday paper and read the sermon. So we've come a little ways in 102 years and thank the Lord for online and um, even Zoom meetings. And as Pastor Paul mentioned last week, um, Zoom, it gets kind of tiring sometimes, but for prayer meetings and for connecting and small groups and things, we are so blessed. We're so blessed with different tools to connect with each other. Advent comes from the Latin, the Latin adventus, which is arrival. 
We begin this week celebrating the arrival of Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah. In Advent, we live in the in-between. And you'll notice if you uh, read the, the Advent readings that uh, Jacob's Well will be sharing, that there is an introduction that kind of lays out the next four or five weeks of readings. And it says in the essay, in Advent, we gaze forward but what we see is backlit by history. Advent reminds us that the Christian hope that we share is shaped by what has happened and then also what is going to happen. To know what has happened, we study history. And what is history? As my high school history teacher used to say, history is the study of documents. And did you know that our Bible is essentially a collection of historical documents? But it's a little more than that. The Bible is a collection of promises from the living God. What we have in our scriptures is law, prophets, poetry, history, apocalyptic, and wisdom literature. The Old Testament and the New Testament tell us who God is, what he's done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do. But it also tells us who we are. It tells us who we are. And at the heart of the Old Testament is the promise that God would send his Messiah, a Savior, in Isaiah 9, verses 6, unto us a child is born. God's kingdom, it says, will be established on earth forever, and all of God's promises will be fulfilled. So in the New Testament, we have four gospels that share the story, the life story of Jesus. Of those four gospels, two of them include a nativity, the birth of Jesus. That's Matthew and Luke. We're going to today look at Matthew chapter one, which if you've begun reading through the New Testament, you know Matthew begins with a genealogy. And if you're like me, it's a little bit difficult when you first start out that book because there's names that you don't recognize. And, you know, if you're like me, you kind of skim down to the good part and the action. But we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Jesus was a pretty common name in the ancient Near East. But when you combine Jesus the Messiah, suddenly you have a messianic term. Everybody knows what that means, who that is, somebody long awaited. Some versions say Jesus Christ. So Messiah means anointed one, that's from the Hebrew. Christ is from the Greek. They're synonymous, the same words. Jesus the Messiah, Jesus Christ, Jesus the anointed one, 
kind of has a resonance back to the kings of Israel when they were anointed by a prophet to ascend to the throne. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David. Every time the Messiah was discussed in the ancient Near East, everybody knew from Isaiah and for Samuel and the prophets that the Messiah would come through the throne of David, through the genealogy of David. But also, the son of Abraham. The son of Abraham. Abraham, whose promise resonated with the Jewish hearers, promise from God of the covenant that speaks of God's blessings to all the families of the earth. And of course, Jesus fulfills this promise. Now begins the genealogy. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Now if you're reading the King James, the word was begat. Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob, etc. Judah and his brothers are the 12 tribes, what became Israel? What became this nation? Judah and his brothers. Now, most of the time in, in the ancient Near East when a history or a genealogy was written, it was laudatory. It always esteemed and said nice things about the person who was the hero in the narrative. But what we're going to see here is that Matthew does something very different. Judah is kind of a character. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, twins, whose mother was Tamar. Stop right there. The hearers of Matthew's genealogy would be like blushing here because Tamar was kind of a shady character Judah wasn't so great himself, but the fact that the genealogy went through these people um, and then Perez and Zerah, it was a little bit shocking. We're not gonna go into the story, and in fact, my wife suggested discussing a sex scandal in church is probably not the best thing to do, especially since Tamar dressed up as a prostitute to uh, then when Judah came along, who hired her for a goat. It's all in Genesis. It's sordid. It's kind of like even something worse than you'd ever read in a tabloid nowadays. But this is Jesus' genealogy. But then it goes on. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Solomon. Solomon, the father of Boaz. Oh, we're starting to get familiar here. Whose mother was Rahab. Rahab, the prostitute. The Battle of Jericho, the walls fell down. Rahab and the spies. That's the Rahab that's in the genealogy of Jesus, who then joined the Israelites after the battle, apparently had a baby. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. And we have that beautiful story in the Old Testament of Ruth that we studied last year in the kin, kinsman redeemer. 
Another interesting point is that you start to see women mentioned here. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth. You almost never see women in ancient Near East genealogies. But there's another woman. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David, Finally, King David, that is necessary because the Messiah comes from the king's throne. David was the father of Solomon, wise Solomon. And then Matthew throws this in, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Who was that? Bathsheba. David and Bathsheba Matthew pulls a bit of history and the one that he pulls is not any of the heroic things that David did. It was the worst thing that David did, fathering a child with another man's wife and covering it up, tempting to, and actually having that friend of his put in harm's way to be killed in battle. A pretty sordid story. Matthew puts it in the genealogy of Jesus. So perplexing. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who was called the Messiah. We skipped a little bit here. There were some good kings, some wicked kings, some more good kings, more wicked kings. So the question is, why would Matthew do a genealogy of Jesus and go through, name some, go out of his way to name some people that are a little bit shady or rough around the collar. So Matthew has high points and low points, you know, Solomon and David, but then low points. Why does he go out of his way to mention some shady characters with baggage and scandal? and sin. There's in this genealogy scoundrels, saints and sinners, heroes, cheats, liars, adulterers, prostitutes. And you know, those four women that were mentioned, two of them were not even Hebrew, not even Jewish. They were Gentiles. The other two could have been Gentiles also. So what we have is a genealogy that is not the typical genealogy that we find in ancient times. Why would Matthew do this? He's getting down to Joseph and Mary and Jesus, but the way he gets there is quite surprising. Why did he do this? Matthew was with Jesus for three years. Three years, he heard Jesus teach. He heard him with the Pharisees and the religious leaders talking about things like sin. Matthew was with Jesus when he healed. He was with Jesus when Jesus was dying on the cross. Matthew was also at the empty tomb. Matthew knew these shady characters in his genealogy with embarrassing stories and sin were the whole point of the gospel that he was writing. 
That was his point. Jesus didn't just come for sinners. He came from sinners. Matthew himself was one of them before Jesus called his name. Remember what Matthew was? A tax collector. What's a tax collector back then? Sinners and tax collectors. They're in two separate categories. Tax collectors are so bad, they had a category all by themselves. Sinners and tax collectors. The tax collector was never at a point of being clean. They were perpetually unclean. That meant that if you got a job with Rome, you paid money to have that position for about five years, and you added a surcharge on the taxes you were collecting from your own people. So if you were Jewish, like Matthew, or Levi, is his name in the other Gospels, his name was changed to Matthew, Levi, people hated you. You were like a betrayer of your own people collecting tax and added surcharges to line your own pockets, and then giving that money over to Rome You were despised. You were, in that time, other. You could never approach God, never go to the temple. You were a hopeless case. Do you know what people who are far from God know? They know that they are far from God. They know that they do not have peace with God. They know that there's a chasm. They know that there's something in the way and they, they just can't have a relationship with God. They can't please God. They can't even know God. When Jesus talks about people like that in his ministry, Matthew tells, sometimes he uses the word sick. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Jesus said that when the Pharisees and religious leaders were outside of Matthew's house. After Jesus called Matthew, the tax collector, come follow me, he said, let's have dinner at your house. This unclean tax collector who then invited his friends. He didn't have any friends except other tax collectors. So here they are at this home eating with all these unclean people, worse than sinners. They were tax collectors. And the Pharisees asked the disciples, how how can he do that? How, How can you eat with these sinners? It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. So there's more to the genealogy, and when it ends, something in the grammar is astonishing that happens. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. The syntax in the grammar is amazing here in the Greek. You hardly get it in the English translation. This is passive. This is a passive voice, a syntax that is just so rare in the Greek. 
all the way through this genealogy, the voice was, pat, was active. Begat, begat, begat. Fathered, fathered, fathered. Made a baby, made a baby, made a baby. 40 times. And then suddenly, the grammar is passive. Because Joseph did not father this baby. He was the legal adoptive parent. But it's interesting, this genealogy is through the male side. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Again, the passive, what is conceived in her? She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. This is still the angel speaking in the dream. The angel quotes Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. God coming into our world. I have to go on a small rabbit trail just for a moment. Because when we're talking about Joseph not being the father, when we're talking about a virgin birth of this Messiah, we have to talk about biology. About four years ago, did you hear uh, a news item or did you know what happens, this little explosion when a new life is created? Did you ever hear that in the news about the scientific research paper? Two researchers at Northwestern in Chicago found that there was a flash that happens. These scientists used fluorescent photography to capture the moment, the microsecond moment that takes place, the moment that they call egg activation. And this is a series of photos of the egg as it's fertilized by a sperm. Can you say that in church? This fertilization is called egg activation. Sperm is, has a concentration of 40 billion zinc items, zinc ions. I, who knew? 40 billion with a B. And because that then triggers an explosion and triggers cell division. So this was observed for the first time four years ago by lighting up the invisible zinc and calcium to see this spark that takes place, this microscopic explosion that sends genetic information careening throughout the cell at 250 miles per hour. That fast. And then 
In a few hours, this egg divides into two. And two, eventually, when you're my age, is 10 to the 14th power. But you know when that flash happens, this zinc-calcium explosion, this flash of light? It happens so quickly, but when that happens, nothing more is added to this growing new human being. Nothing more is added, just food, just nutrition. It's really interesting, um, in Collegeville, Minnesota, there are um, folks that made a Bible in the old way, in the Benedictine way, copying it with quills, illuminated manuscripts. It's called the St. John's Bible. There's one uh, in, in display at the hospital that I work, with, work at, uh, Sacred Heart Hospital in Eau Claire, also one at St. Joseph's Hospital in Chippewa Falls. The St. John's Bible at the beginning of Matthew has this illumination that is gold gilt and it has all the names of the genealogy of Matthew. This begins the book of Matthew and this beautiful illustration has the names of Mary and Joseph and Jesus at the top in Hebrew. And if you look in this menorah design, you'll see strands of DNA. It's just fantastic, this double helix this spiral, that all these genealogy names that we read all were a part of God's plan, all passing down this information. It's just astonishing. In this time of Advent when we celebrate arrival, the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, the It's a time where we can step back and think about the advent that we're in. And the advent that we celebrate is looking forward to the second advent. But there was also a first advent that is behind us that illuminates what we see. The readings, if you're able to pick up Living Hope, download it online, or if you happen to pick it up on Sunday, Living Hope is our readings for Advent. Every day it has daily devotionals, a Bible study guide, a reading calendar to read through the uh, Advent scriptures. There's a section called Ideas for Families, uh, ideas of uh, activities to do with young children. And this helps us realize the first week of Advent that the second Advent is ahead, that we look ahead at that, and the readings are from Revelation. Also want to remind you is for Next Steps that Right Now Media is a streaming video Bible series that has a lot of um, uh, Bible studies for Advent. Um, Susie Bohr selected several to highlight them Lee Strobel, Andy Stanley, Max Licato, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, David Platt, and others. This is like the Netflix of Bible study material. You have scholars, you have speakers, 
you have illustrations. It's really tremendous. And Jacob's Well Church provides this for us at no charge to be able to log in, make a username. You never see a bill, but you can have access to hundreds of really quality Bible studies on different topics, on different books of the Bible, and it's just fabulous. And I encourage you to uh, take a look at that, to log in. If you haven't created an account, try it. Um, it, is, it is so um, edifying and so rich. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word, for the gospels that we have, for the arrival of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for what he means in our lives to bridge that gap when we were once other, where we were separated from you, Lord, when we didn't have peace. Thank you that the arrival of the Savior means for us that we can come into your throne room boldly, that we can approach you boldly, that our prayers are lifted up to you and that our worship is lifted up to you. Thank you, Lord, for this arrival that we celebrate in these next weeks going up to Christmas. Pray that you would bless our families and keep our church family safe and our communities safe. Thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. Amen.